We've been in the series, The Gospel of John, and we've been going verse by verse and chapter by chapter since the beginning of the year, and it's been so powerful. And so today, I want us to go in and through and see as we see this great story of John chapter 5, and we have been and come across some very unexpected events. We're in an unexpected season in our nation, in our world, and that's where we are at with the Gospel of John today that I'm titling Great Expectations. And we need to have great expectations right now, and we need to trust that God is doing a mighty work. And that's what we're going to see, John chapter 5, and uh, you know, we live in such a world where we want it now, don't we? We live on a want it now community, society, and culture. We want to get rich quick scheme. How many of you know somebody that's like that? Um, don't point at them, okay, in your, in your home or wherever you're at. But uh, how many of you know that people want a, a, a diet pill to take away? all of their fat, like immediately. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, we live in that world. You know, we live in the, the, the keto, and somebody's trying to buy the latest treadmill or the workout, and um, you're just trying to lose weight miraculously. Hey, I think we've all said that. We would love to have that happen in our life. I, I know that uh, a few weeks back, um, I came and I opened up my email, and looking at my email, I saw on there, it says, you're chubby and you know it. That was what came through, and I kind of looked down and was like, "Mm, well, I don't know. Maybe I am. And I realized quickly that it was a scheme to get my attention to lose weight quickly, right? We've all had those, right? That's just crazy. And I'm looking at this and thinking, yeah, wouldn't we all just love to lose weight quickly, just melt off our body if we eat this pill, right? We're always searching for the miraculous. I want to do it now, and I want to get it now. Fix it, fix it, fix it. And I want you to know this, that in our lives, you can go a long way if you have hope. Even if nothing else is going for you, if you have hope going for you, I'm telling you, things can change very quickly in our attitude. Hope can help keep you moving even when you want to quit. Today, we live in a world that is void of hope. And in fact, just when it looks like we're at the end of the tunnel, you discover there's an oncoming train coming at you, and that's the light you see. But there is a hope that God gives us, and that wants to give us strength today. And I want to just speak that into your heart. I want to speak that into your spirit. I want to speak that into your living room or wherever you're at at this moment, that we realize when Jesus comes upon the scene in our life, just like this story today, we can have hope because that's what he brings. I don't know what type of hopeless situation you are in today. We see a world that seems to be without hope right now. But when Jesus enters, hope is imminent. In John chapter 5, we have a hopeless situation. There is a pool. And uh, we know from this story, there are pools in this area in and throughout this first century And in verse 2, it's called a pool of Bethesda. And if you ever go to Israel in the city of Jerusalem, you can see this pool. And the pool has been discovered and uncovered, and the pool exists today as it did in the New Testament times. Now, the word Bethesda, understand this going into the story, means mercy. It is the place, it is the pool 
of mercy. And it's so incredible to look at that. Maybe in America we can look at that and say, really, the pool of Bethesda would be kind of like Hot Springs, Arkansas. It was a health spa where people would gather. It's a place of healing. It has medicinal purposes that are there, and people flock to this. And I want to tell you a story about a guy who was searching for a miracle. If you're in search of a miracle today, I just want you to lean in just a little bit. He was like many of us. He was searching for a miracle for 38 years of his life, and he was so persistent. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 5 and verse 1. If not, it'll be on the screen beside me here as well. And it says this, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he was there, and he, it says, went to the Jewish festival. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which is Aramaic, is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. So, and you see the next verse, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. They were there. They gathered. Kristen and I had a wonderful opportunity last year to go to Israel. And uh, there's a couple pictures I want to just show you. The first picture is what is the top of the colonnade. This is where the porches were, and that people used to come and begin to gather there and get ready before they even went into the pool. The second picture is looking down from the top of the colonnade, looking down into the hole, and as you see right over here, that you see that was the pool of Bethesda that people had to make their way from the top all the way down to those pools that were down there. And this is the pool of Bethesda that is being talked about right here in John chapter 5. And in the story, we see Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem. He walks into this area called Bethesda, and he's walking in, and he sees these two pools, and he sees these porticos and these porches that are covered, and he sees hundreds and hundreds of handicapped people that are lying around. They're sick, they're blind, they're lame, they're withered, and they're all looking for the movement of the waters. People had traveled so many miles to get to this place just to be able to lay around the porch and around the pool. And he explains this moving of water in verse 4, and it says, and this, and an angel of the Lord went down at a certain time into the pool, and he stirred up the waters, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Masses of people are gathering, and they're waiting for the stirring of the water where God in some supernatural way would disrupt the natural flow of water, and the first person to step in the water would be healed. On one hand, this is absolutely exciting. Could you imagine it? On the other hand, it was only good for one person. And so that's why people traveled from all different locations, but all of them had something in common. They were hopeless. There were irresolvable problems just to get a chance to be healed in that moment. Just maybe, just maybe they're thinking, if I can just get in the water today, if I can get there, that My impossible situation is about ready to change, and it's obvious from the multitudes of people that are coming from all around that most of the people who attended the pool were very disappointed. 
And the Bible introduces at this point our star character. He says there was a certain man who was lying around the pool. And uh, we don't know why he's handicapped. His name is not important, but his situation is, and he is absolutely hopeless. And we see one reason of that in verse 5 is because he was dealing with a sickness for 38 years. 38 years he had been dealing with this sickness. you got to understand life expectancy at this time was around the age of 35. He was old by many measures. He's, he's old compared to many of that day. And this is a long time to be broken. This is a long time to not be fixed, to not be healed. And this man is showing up every year trying to get his healing over and over again, trying to get somebody, somebody to reverse the hopeless situation that he is in. The multitudes were sick. There were those that were there that didn't have the ability to even get in. In the original language, it says they didn't have the ability to even help themselves. Understand this, that there are 10 fundamental miracles in the book of John, and miracles are designed to be signs. That's what we've said through this series. Miracles are designed to be signs to lead others to Jesus, and a sign is a visible reality designed to teach a person a spiritual principle. God just does not do miracles just to do a miracles or to flex his muscles. He does miracles with a purpose. You may need a miracle, but the question from God is why? This is important today because there are many people waiting for a miracle. They're waiting for a blessing to open up to their lives, and we have to know this that a miracle in God's eyes is designed to teach. God is in the miracle-working business today, and he is in it for a reason. This man is in a hopeless situation and condition. Some of you have been living with stuff for such a long time, and it is hopeless for him. Isn't that how life works? That we realize that we are hopeless because we've been dealing with something for so long. Something we've been stuck with. Everything else is, is going on, and we don't think anybody knows what we're going, uh, what's going on in us. But also, we have to realize that um, we've gone through this for so long, and sometimes we get numb to it, and uh, we attempt to get out of our bad situation, and uh, we think, wow, am I ever going to get out? And Jesus has a word for hopeless people today. Today... As you're watching this, there are many of you that are in a hopeless situation, a condition. And verse 6 says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And, And so let's put it this way. Jesus knows how long you've been waiting for something in your life to be reversed or changed course. He knows how long you've been in it. Jesus can see what nobody else can see, and he could see the condition of this man long before he was ever in the condition. I mean, do you think as he asked this question, 
Do you ever get bothered by Jesus' question? I do sometimes. I mean, that's very real. Do you wish to get well? Seems like the answer like, I'm here, ain't I? I mean, come on, Jesus. The word well means full. It means complete. It means comprehensibly reformed. It means there's a change that is coming, that something is taking place that needs to take place. Jesus comes to a multitude and all of them are messed up. The, li- the lame, the blind, the withered, all those that are paralyzed, that's what this is saying. Jesus comes to one messed up man that's been messed over for as long as he's been alive, 38 years, I'm, I mean, he comes to him, do you want to be whole? And why this man? Why this question that is so pointed? Because this, Jesus wants to deal with the man completely. He doesn't want to fix up somebody on the outside so that they stay messed up on the inside. Jesus doesn't want to answer your prayers so that your external circumstances, they, they change, leaving your internal scenario like he found it. God wants to fix you up on the outside, but he also wants to heal your soul on the inside. A lot of people, many people want God to fix their outside situation, but Jesus just don't mess with my soul while you're doing it. Don't mess with my life. You know, just fix the outward workings of my messed up world. And so we see this. There's an outward dilemma that's going on. And, and we know from verse 14 that we're going to get to in just a moment that we understand that Jesus is talking a whole lot more than just his outward dilemma He's talking about his inward condition where he says in verse 14, go and sin no more. He wants to deal with the complete package of our heart today, the complete package of our life, so that when he fixes us up, we don't have to go back to the pool of Bethesda anymore. He wants to deal with the inside of us and also the outside of us that we realize many are messed up today. Many are broken today. Many are brokenhearted today. Many are grieving today. But you have to understand this man was in this condition for 38 years that he had paid the price. And he understands in his own life that could represent maybe even things he shouldn't have done, people he shouldn't have hung out with, situations he shouldn't have been a part of. Or maybe he just was completely innocent and was born this way. Jesus asked, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be reformed and do you want to be complete? And the answer to that will affect the entire rest of the discussion. Maybe, maybe if you have been in a hopeless situation, maybe you've been praying for the wrong thing. It might be because you're saying, God, heal my external outside circumstances without healing my internal soul. What is being said is, I don't want to be made whole. I want to be made half, if that's the case. But in order for this miracle to take place, this man had to come clean, like all of us do on the pathway of life. When you're sick and you can't fix the problem, 
when you can't fix yourself, you know, even things can't fix you. Pepto-Bismol won't work. You know, Tylenol PM is not going to help. And your problems keep then progressively getting worse. Day by day, moment by wor- moment, you feel worse. You, you, you go to the doctor, right? You say, hey, you, you need to look at me. Something's not right. Something's going on on the inside. Or you go to the hospital. And so what, what takes you there are the symptoms, like, hey, my stomach has been torn up for days or weeks and, or, or my back has been hurting and I'm in pain and I can't sleep at night or my head is throbbing and the doctor says, what's wrong? And most doctors don't stop there. Why? Because our symptoms only lead them to a deeper analysis. They want to do an x-ray. They want to do a screening of your blood. They want to check out and see what's going on behind the scenes that we can't see on the outside in the, in, in the cases, even in our spiritual world, many want God to fix symptoms, and that just makes God a poor physician. But if he's going to be the great physician, he's got to get beneath the surface and into the symptoms and see what's causing the problem today. The issue is, do you want to get well? Not just simply that we want to get rid of the pain have you ever seen an apple with a hole in it? Oh, yeah, we have. All of us have. We've probably bit into an apple and realized there's a hole in this apple. You know, a lot of people won't eat an apple with a hole in it because they realize that a worm might be inside, right? They're like, I don't want to touch that. And if you ever see an apple with a hole in it, that's good news. That means there's not a worm inside because the way the apple gets holes in them is through the larvae of the worm. The apple grew around it. It means the larvae was the seed the apple developed, so that means the worm has come out and did not go in. The problem originated on the inside originally. The hole on the outside means something was wrong on the inside that worked its way out. Many have apple lives. We see all these holes that we want to patch up when the problem is really has gone wrong on the inside of us first. And Jesus wants to know from this man and from us today, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be made well deep within you? Everybody wants an external fix. Jesus comes to a man, and he comes to him, and that man only thinks, hey, can you just change outside because I need to get better? And we wonder maybe why does God delay your blessing Why is it taking him so long to answer your prayers today? One reason why God may be delaying your blessing is because you're not going to let him deal with your inside. You just want him to fix the outside only. You know, like, hey, God, just, just give me my spouse. Just give me my mate forever. And, and, uh, but, you know, don't let them mess with my selfish attitude, right? You know, I just want a, a promotion on the job. But, you know, don't mess with my pride. 
that gets in the way. I want more leadership in my position, but my character and my integrity are morally bankrupt. I don't want to be made whole. I just want to be made half. So what God does is he will allow us to hang out around the pool of Bethesda until we realize how hopeless we are. You know, we won't discover that Jesus is all we need until he is all we have. I think he's speaking to the world today. I think he's speaking to us in our communities He's speaking to us in our homes today. Is Jesus really all you want? Because if you have him, you have all that you need. Jesus said to the man in verse 8, he tells him, hey, you need to do something. So You need to get up, and you need to pick up your mat, and you need to walk. I mean, yeah, that's a great thing that Jesus is telling directly to this man. He's saying, you need to get up and walk. The man lived at the pool of Bethesda. He was there, and he, he has this condition, 38 years, and the whole, this man's whole life was wrapped up around a miracle cure. Don't get me wrong. That I believe that God does miracles. I've seen them with my own eyes. I've prayed for people, and they have recovered and became well. Not because I'm a healer, just because I've just prayed for somebody, and it's God's healing power through me. I've seen this through many people I know and friends and pastors that are around me that we've prayed for the sick, and they have recovered, and that's wonderful. But I would like to suggest to you today that the miracles that God wants to do He wants to be signs of something greater. Like more than just what you want, it's what you need for that moment and that hour. You know, he he not only just wants to fix your feet so that you can run from the situation you're in or fix your mind so that, yeah, you can not only just forget about the problem or forget about that situation that you've been wrapped up in all those years or fix your hands so you won't touch what he doesn't want you to touch and that you only touch what he wants you to touch. And he says this, I want you to take up your bed and I want you to walk. See, we have in this statement the man's problem. We, we get this. He couldn't walk, and all Jesus wanted to know was, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole today? And Jesus commanded this man the very thing that he was unable to do on his own. I mean, have you ever been asked to do something you can't do? I can't do it because I've been trying Jesus for 38 years But we have to understand this, that in Jesus' command is the power to execute it. Jesus never commands what he does not empower. If he says, I'm going to give you the power to do it, you're going to be able to do it. Now, I'm talking today about really getting fixed on the inside. More than just change your situation or location or get into a better job, Jesus says, I'm after something that is so much deeper than just what you're looking on at the surface. I'm going down below, and I'm checking out. I'm probing areas inside of you because I love you. 
He's looking for a certain man or a certain woman who is willing today to be made whole in your circumstance and situation. And he says, you know, you need to get up and you need to, you need to take up your bed and you need to begin to walk today. And he is reversing this which was on this man for 38 years. And so you realize, he says, you need to, you need to take up your bed and you need to walk. You understand to this point, the bed has taken him everywhere in his life. Now at this moment, he says, you need to take up your bed and you need to walk. I've given you authority in Jesus' name to do this. Verse 9, and immediately the man was made well, and he took up his mat, we see. He picked it up. He walked. And so we realize it is there. He begins to do this. And you realize, here's the scripture. It says, the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Whoa. Whoa. This is the Sabbath. This was huge in that day. And, and so he acted on what Jesus said, even on the Sabbath, 38 years of history that said this won't work. And so we see the Jewish leaders in verse 10 said to the man who had been healed, it is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. And so here we have the Sabbath police. The Jewish leaders are policing to make sure all the laws are enforced in that day. And the question that this raises is, will this be what the story is all about? Is John, is John going to shift from the glory of Jesus to the ground rules of the Sabbath? And the answer is no. Jesus knows that he is healed on the Sabbath. The Sabbath issue is raised, though, in such an amazing way that keeps the focus on the glory of Jesus. Jesus knows, hey, this is going to create conflict. But let me tell you something. Conflict in the ministry of Jesus is the furnace where the steel of his identity is forged. What am I saying? In the fires of conflict, his glory is made to shine. So let me tell you today that it's this moment in history that God has given to us in the midst of turmoil and conflict. This is where Jesus and the body of Christ will shine forth in these days and not shrink back, but go forward in the name of Jesus and do what he has called us to do, to be the light. Wow, I love this. It doesn't matter. This is where Jesus shines. That, that it may be bleak, but we're shining as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11, but he replied, the man who made me well, he said, reply to me. He said this, the man who said this, he said, pick up your mat and walk. Verse 12, so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And then verse 13, as we go and we look at this, we see the man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. He slipped away. This is remarkable at this moment. Jesus healed and disappeared before the man could find out who he was. He didn't even know who healed him. Was, was Jesus, maybe you're wondering this as well. I've asked this in the text as well. Is like, was Jesus just content to do a random miracle and leave the man in ignorance? No. Why do we know that? Because verse 14, later we see 
Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Wow. Jesus seeks this man out because the real issue in the healing is his wholeness and was complete reformation of his entire being. Jesus said, and he's saying this to us today, I have healed you to make you holy. My aim is the healing of your soul more than just the healing of your body. I have given you a gift. It's free. You you didn't earn it. You weren't good enough for it. I chose you freely. I healed you. Now live in this power. Let the gift of healing, the gift of my free grace, be the means to your holiness of what is ahead. He warns him. It's a warning. This is a great story, but it comes with a warning at the end. He warns him if you turn away or if you make an idol of your health and, and you embrace sin as a way of life, he says you will perish. Stark warning. Jesus is telling the man, I have healed you. Stop doing evil that you may find me as the resurrection and the life for you forever. Don't turn from me, Jesus said back to a life of sin. Don't turn from me and go back to your ways that you used to do for the last 38 years. You've been changed today, sir. Change where you are going. Change the direction in which you're heading. Jesus healed only one that day at the pool of Bethesda, even though there were a multitude of sick people. The point is in this is that the first coming of Jesus is a foretaste of his healing. The fullness of his healing of all of our diseases and all of our disabilities awaits the second coming of Jesus. We are a church that believes in miracles. And God is doing miracles on the face of the earth today even though we are seeing death and destruction. We are a church that believes in divine healing. We are believing with the nations of this earth today for absolute healing in Jesus' name. We will keep praying. We will keep believing. We will keep trusting God. We are believing in a miraculous God today to heal the disease of coronavirus in the name of Jesus. Verse 15. We have at the end part of this portion today, before we bring this to conclusion, the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. What is this saying? Make sure you let others know what God has done in your life. This is not the time for the church to grow quiet. This is time for the body of Christ to speak up and that Jesus is our healer, and that Jesus is our Savior, and that Jesus is coming back again soon. Don't let fear and worry overwhelm you. You realize in the world we live in that's full of grief today that we still serve a good God. Remember, it happened on the Sabbath. You know what everybody else was doing? Waiting. This man meets the master 
Everybody else was waiting for a miracle. But when he met the master, he got a miracle. But he also got so much more than that. Look, at when I need Jesus, when we need Jesus, I don't want to be in line. I need him when I need him. But I've got to be willing to be made whole. Jesus found him. He went and tracked him down. You've been made well. Go and sin no more. Listen, sin has a way of getting us stuck as humanity. But Jesus released him, not only of his symptoms, but his cure. It's amazing. What's he telling this man? Get up. Don't whine anymore. Don't complain. Stop crying. God's going to deliver you right where you're at today. It doesn't matter where you're at. Right where you're at today, God's going to touch you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to minister to you today. See, the greatest sickness that man has ever had is sin. And God sent the antidote of his son, Jesus Christ, to counteract and heal mankind. Thank God for the vaccine known as Jesus Christ today. We have the medicine. It's available to us right now, no matter where we're at, no matter where we're at, whether it's here in another nation that you're listening to me today. Jesus is the antidote to sin. He's the antidote to our sickness, and he can heal us. And it's so good to know that Jesus didn't flatten the curve of sin. He eradicated the curve of sin in Jesus' name. And so we have to know our guilt and our shame and our worry today can be gone because of Jesus. So that as a believer in Jesus today, no matter what you face, you can step into the future with absolute, complete confidence because we're not just living for the temporary. We're living for the eternal. Will you follow that kind of Savior today? Will you trust Him no matter what you're going through in your hopeless condition and situation? join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today that you are the God of hope. Lord Jesus, you have always been hope to humanity. And we are thankful today that no matter where we are at watching this, that your presence is with us because your word says you are an ever-present help in time of trouble and in time of need. That, God, you are looking to not only heal us on the outside, but, Lord, on the inside of our lives today. You're looking to heal us individually, Lord, but also to heal our nation today, to heal the nations of the earth, Lord God, that would turn towards you and find you as the Lord and Savior of our lives. Thank you, Lord, today that you're able to heal, you're able to strengthen, you're able to encourage, you're able to help us in our grief. And that, God, you want to make us whole. You want to make us reformed. You want to make us new. You want to transform us. God, that is the promise of your word. That is the promise of Jesus as the antidote today. The Lord, you tell us today, if we will confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins 
Lord, just as this man did in John chapter 5, Lord God, you not only healed his outside, but Lord, you cleaned him up inside as well, that when he met you as the master, Lord, you healed him of his sickness and his disease. Father, I thank you for doing that for us today, doing that as your people doing that for every person that comes to you and does not know you, that, Lord, you are able to set the sinner free today to find new freedom in the name of Jesus. We believe you're doing it and trust that you are doing it and that, God, our souls will be whole, will be healthy. Father, I thank you for this opportunity in this season of our history in the world that, God, you are calling us as the body to march forward and to move forward, Lord, and to not be afraid because, Lord, you are doing a mighty work upon the earth, and we thank you for using us as the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen.